great to have you here at Grace Church. I want to start with just a few updates and uh, just to keep everybody informed as to what's going on in and around Grace Church. So after the service this morning, when you exit in the lobby there, there is a, a, a beautiful display for our G Kids ministry. Um, it's actually a volunteer station where we're asking you to say yes, to say yes to serving and to help lead uh, the children of Grace Church. And uh, man, there are some awesome ministry opportunities back there at that table. And I also just want to remind you, when you say yes, you are helping to raise up the next generation of Christ followers. It's the most important ministry. I'm going to say that. It's the most important ministry in this church. And so when you leave, please go directly straight to the back table. Um, There's some uh, cards where you can say yes to serving in the children's ministry. Uh, So please do that after the service. Also, I want to let you know that uh, High School Collision is starting tonight at Grace Church at 6.30. If you are in high school, high school student ministries is starting tonight at 6.30. We want to invite you back, um, high school students, to join us for that. And also, if you are in college or you are a young adult and you would like to connect, you'd like to be a part of a brand new college and young adult ministry, um, we want to invite you after the service to go to the Welcome Center. We have some information that we'd like to give you, and we want to invite you to... to, and really partner with us in that ministry, uh, a brand new ministry that's getting started here at Grace Church. And then after the service today, okay, hopefully I can keep your attention long enough, we have what we're calling Sweet September Sundays. Okay, After the service, under the Love This Town tent, we have some Oreo goodness um, for you. Okay, So uh, we want to invite you to go to the tent to get some good sweets. But the whole intention, the whole reason why we're doing this is so that you have opportunities to connect with one another, so that you can meet one another, um, so that uh, uh, you'll have opportunities to fellowship. And and, uh, sometimes sweet food is just a great way to do that. So uh, uh, we want to invite you uh, to that as well. So this morning we are continuing our series called All Out, and the title of this message is Leadership, A New Core Value. Over the past few months, you've heard a lot of conversations about leadership in and around Grace Church. A few months ago, I preached a whole month series, a month-long series on leadership. We also hosted the 2016 Global Leadership Summit here at Grace Church. And if you've been listening at all, you will quickly gather that leadership is a huge passion of mine. As a matter of fact, the title... Today's sermon, once again, is Leadership, a New Core Value at Grace Church. Now let me ask, why why am I so passionate about leadership? Why am I so passionate about the spiritual gift of leadership? I'm so passionate about it because our world is jacked up. Our world is a mess. Marriages are imploding right and left. People are living their lives filled with with hopelessness and despair. And you know what? I don't believe politics is the answer. I don't believe that new laws will transform the human heart. Politicians, no matter how sincere they may be, no matter how sincere their motivation, they can only do so much. Businessmen can only, uh, you know, they can provide more jobs, Uh, Great educators, they can teach useful knowledge of the world. Self-help 
programs, they can offer methods to change behavior. Psychologists, you know, they can aid in helping you to better understand yourself. All of these can be good in in various ways, but they will never transform the human heart. I believe that the solution to the problems on this sorry planet, I believe the only power that can transform a human heart is the power of Jesus Christ. His love conquers sin. His love wipes out shame. It heals wounds. It reconciles enemies. His love changes the world one life at a time. Church, you want to know what keeps me personally, what keeps me fired up on a daily basis, what keeps me in the game, what keeps me motivated, what helps me to put my feet on the floor every morning when I get out of bed? It's the knowledge that this radical message of this transforming love of Jesus Christ has been given to the church. It's been given to the church. We are stewards of this radical message. The beauty and the power of the local church is breathtaking. It means in a very real way, the future of the world rests in the hands of local congregations like Grace Church. Let me just remind you about a good church. A good church builds bridges to those who are far from God. We are bridge builders. We are building bridges to those who are far from God. A good church offers truth to those who are confused, to those who are seeking. A good church provides resources to those who are in need. It opens its arms to the forgotten, to the downtrodden, to the disillusioned. God uses the local church to set addicts free, to deliver the oppressed. The local church provides a place where everyone should be loved, no matter their race, no matter their net worth, and you know what? No matter their past. They are loved. Whatever the scope of human suffering, the church has a greater capacity for healing and for wholeness. No other organization on planet Earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. No other organization is like the church if, and that's a big if, nothing comes close to the church if it's working right. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. There is nothing like the local church when the local church is working right and the future of the local church is greatly affected, good or bad, by leaders, by its leaders. You know, I could ask right now, I could ask, the question. I don't want you to raise your hands because I'm afraid it might be embarrassing. But I could ask the question, how many of us have been in a church or affected by a church that was not led well? 
And I bet the majority of us would raise our hands. And you know what? I'm, I'm sorry for that. The local church should lead the way in modeling and showing the world how to love people, how to care for people, how to lead people well. Romans 12, 8 tells us that those of us who have the gift of leadership, that we had better sit up, we had better take notice, and we had better lead with diligence. Now this is really important, church. Catch this, okay? This is really important. I'm not talking about leadership this morning because I'm on some sort of power trip. I'm not talking about leadership simply to highlight this particular gift. As a matter of fact, my ultimate concern is not leadership. For me, the bottom line is to be the church that God dreamed us to be. That's the bottom line for me. To be a community of believers so totally devoted to God that our lives are charged with Holy Spirit power. A place where we love each other with a radical kind of love. A place where we love each other and we share our lives with one another. A place that is so bold, so creative, so dynamic that those who are seeking after God are drawn in. They can't resist being a part of this body. They say, I want, I want what they have. I mean, I, I want us to be a place that sends Holy Spirit-filled people out into the spiritual fight like we've been talking about through this series, like an aircraft carrier. That's what the church needs to be, where we're sending people out into ministry. And they come back to get their tanks refilled. They come back to get rearmed and re-equipped. And they're sent out again. For me, that's the bottom line. It's really not about leadership. It's about being the church that God dreamed us to be. But, I am absolutely convinced that Grace Church will never reach her full redemptive potential until men and women with the leadership gift step up and lead. And Grace Church should be a leadership factory. A place that stirs up the gifts of God in people. This isn't a place that just gathers people. That's not what we're about. Jesus didn't build His church by recruiting the the up-and-coming stars, you know, the best of the best, from the best seminaries in Israel. That's not what He did. That's not how He chose His disciples. His disciples were mostly blue-collar workers with little to no formal theological training. Yet through His Spirit, Jesus used this ragtag group of misfits to turn the world upside down. When these men first came to Jesus, they weren't leaders. A lot of their character was shady. Some of these guys, man, they were messed up. They didn't even have the best character, but they were men in desperate need of development. And Jesus turned these men into leaders. And you know what? If Jesus spent the majority of His time, of His ministry, developing leaders, developing people, developing them to go out, shouldn't we focus on it as well? Shouldn't it be on our radar? 
Shouldn't that be a priority of our church to develop people, to equip people? Man, we must challenge people to be leaders. And the reality is, is most people will resist it. Because it's hard. Being a leader is difficult. It's not glamorous. Godly leadership means you will be the one serving, not the one being served. We cannot allow people to view our gathering at church on a weekly basis as something that we do to make God happy. It's not why we do this. It's not why we gather. We're not checking off our spiritual goody two-shoe list. That's not why we do this. The gathering of the church is preparation for heavenly battle, church. We huddle together for a few minutes each week to worship God. To remember, man, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. We huddle together for a few minutes every week to build each other up. To hear stories from Cody and Kristen to say, man, they're doing it. They're out there serving God. And it's difficult at times. And they miss their family at times. But you know what? They're doing it. We're building each other up so we can be more effective throughout the rest of the week. So that you can be more effective on the front lines, in our homes, in our careers, in our churches. Far too many church members believe that it's the pastor's job to win the lost, to pray for the sick, to counsel the brokenhearted. But remember, in the book of Acts, 39 out of the 40 miracles performed in the book of Acts were done so outside of the walls of the church. God wants to do His work through you in the community. That's what God wants. The authority for and the responsibility of ministry has to be given back to you, the people. It's not for paid professionals. It's for you. You are the ministers of Christ. Let me do this. Let me ask right now. Let me ask everyone who works a job outside of the church. Everyone who works a job outside of the church, would you please just stand up for me this morning? you work a job outside of the church. Okay? Let me ask you, if you're a father, if you're a mother, if you're a grandfather, if you're a grandmother, would you please stand up this morning? If you're a father, you're a mother, if you're a grandfather, you're a grandmother, would you please stand up? Let me ask you, if you're you're a student, okay? If you're a student at school, you're in school, would you please stand up this morning? And then lastly, let me just say, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, would you please stand up this morning? And what I'm going to do is I'm going to remind you that you that are standing are on the front lines of ministry. You're on the front lines. You're on the front lines. I want to take just a moment to pray for you. You are the ministers of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, I pray for these people. 
and I'm humbled to be in their presence. I'm humbled to be in the presence of the ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Gosh, those that are working in their careers, and they're influencing and they're leading people and man, they are on the front lines of ministry. Those mothers who are raising up the next generation of Christ followers, those fathers who are leading their families, they are on the front lines of ministry. Those students who are in school, gosh, they need to be a light in some very dark places. Lord, those who just proclaim and love Jesus, they are on the front lines of ministry. And I pray that you would bless these people. I pray that your favor and that your hand of blessing would be poured out upon them. I pray for your protection. And God, I pray that they would take their calling because we are all called to go with the gospel. I pray that they would take their calling seriously. And God, that they would love people and that they would love you with all that they are, with all of their mind and their strength and their soul. God, bless these people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated this morning. If you're following the outline, point number two, is we must equip people to be leaders. We have to. We have to equip you. We have to prepare you to be leaders. In this series, we've learned that the Spirit of God is in all who believe. The Spirit of God is in all of us. The Spirit of God is in you. If the majority of what Jesus wants to do is in the community, if the majority of what He wants to do is outside of these walls, it shouldn't surprise us that he puts the best vision, he puts the best ideas into the hearts of those who live and work the majority of their time outside of these walls. I I believe the greatest ideas for ministry are in your minds. Not mine. I mean, mine are amazing, okay? But they're in your minds. Therefore, one of the primary responsibilities of church leaders, talking about me and others who lead the church, is to help God's people uncover those ideas and encourage them like Paul did in 2 Timothy 1.6. He said to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you. And I love the picture that Paul paints here. Each week we gather together. Our goal as a church, our goal as church leaders is to fan into flames the spiritual gift fires the Holy Spirit has put in each of you. Okay? That's that's our job. And you know what? We should expect God's Spirit to lead our people. I should expect God's Spirit to lead you the same way He led Philip. The same way he led Apollos and Barnabas and Silas, all of the common lay people in the book of Acts. We should expect that. We shouldn't be surprised when the Holy Spirit leads people to do amazing things. As pastors, our job is not simply to recruit volunteers and execute our own ideas, but rather our job is to help people discover and unleash 
the ministry potential that God has placed in them. Pastor J.D. Greer puts it this way. He says, congregants, speaking of you, are not merely gathered and counted and organized and assigned volunteer positions as cogs in our ministry machines. They are empowered into their own ministries. Man, that's, that's incredible. You know, this all sounds like so motivating and inspiring, but let me, let me sprinkle some reality on the situation. The scary part about raising up leaders is the fact that I have to let go of ownership. I have to let go. I have to release power and ownership. And To be even more blunt about it, it often means that I have to get out of the way. I have to be willing to let others do ministry different from how I might have done it. I have to let go of control. You know, this is a hard thing. This is actually a very scary thing for any type A choleric pastor or leader. But you know, those who overcome the fear of letting go, those who stop trying to control and stop trying to have their finger in every little thing that's going on, they will realize that it's totally worth it. It's totally worth it. We believe the greatest potential for ministry growth, for affecting La Plata County, the greatest way we're going to affect La Plata County, it's going to happen when congregation members have a prompting from the Holy Spirit of God and those congregation members take ownership of that prompting and they do what God leads them to do. We will see ministry spread like we've never seen ministry spread before. And you know what the church's job is? The church's job is to be there to equip, to support, to encourage, to provide resources to make your ministry ventures even more successful. And when I say resources, the church provides resources. And what I mean by that is it can be financial support. It can be networking. It can be leadership coaching. It can be using the name of the church. It can be prayer covering. Something we need to do a lot more of is covering you with prayer praying for God's protection, praying for God's anointing upon you, His people. It can be so much more. The church is there to equip, to encourage, to provide resources. The church is there to equip people to be leaders. But listen, Grace, in in order for this to happen, I believe a major shift has to take place in our thinking. A major shift has to take place in the way that we think about leadership. Because let's face it, we live in a culture where the majority of people have a very negative view of leadership. When they even hear the word leadership, it freaks them out. Sends chills down their spine. People have experienced more bad leadership examples than good. When they think of leadership, more bad examples come to mind than good examples. 
Many of us have worked or we've served under leaders that used intimidation. They used threats. They used, uh, man, just, they used fear, a very wicked motivational tool. They used fear to make people do what they wanted them to do. You know what? Let me be blunt honest. There is a leadership stigma in Grace Church. Many are afraid to be leaders because their own personal experiences have been so poor. I think many people say, man, I don't want to do to others what was done to me. And so they just stay away from it altogether. I just don't even want to be a part of it. I'm not going to do this. I don't want to be a part. Many of us have broken leadership lenses, right? A shift in our thinking has to take place before we can develop godly, healthy, spirit-filled leaders. We must have shared vision. We have to have clarity. We have to have the same definition of leadership. Otherwise, we're going to continue to work against each other instead of being unified in our efforts to advance the kingdom of God. I'm going to use 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Feel free to turn there. But it's going to read a little bit differently because I'm going to use 1 Corinthians 13 to help me express what I'm trying to say here, to help me express what I'm thinking. So let me break down 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to break it down through the lenses of leadership. Okay? Once again, it's going to read very differently from what you see there, but you'll, you'll get the point as I start. Through the lenses of leadership, I believe 1 Corinthians 13 could read this way. If I speak vision with the tongues of angels, but I lead without the love of God, I am a continual ringing cell phone, or worse, a non-stop, a non-stop talking salesman that won't take no for an answer. If I have the gift of leadership and can provide direction and build teams and set goals, but fail to show Christ-like kindness or fail to give Christ the credit for all accomplishments, in the eyes of God, all accomplishments count for precisely nothing. If I give my salary to the poor, or if I give the elders to be burned at the stake, but neglect to relate and work in a manner worthy of the one whose name I bear, In the final analysis, it all counts precisely for nothing. A close, humble walk with Christ never fails. It strengthens the heart. It redirects the will. It restrains the ego. It purifies motives. A close, humble walk with Christ never fails. When I was a young leader, Independent and too busy to pray. I blew stuff up and wounded many people I led. But now that I'm growing up, now that I'm leaving my childish ways in the past, I hurt people somewhat less. And now these three remain. The faith to follow God boldly. The hope to press on even when my heart is breaking. And the love 
to enrich the hearts of all those I lead. But the greatest of these is love. The love that only comes from a quiet, close, daily walk with Jesus Christ. Church, that, that's what I picture in my mind when I think about good, godly leadership. A good leader's greatest gift is a heart that is fully devoted to Christ. That's his greatest gift. That's her greatest gift. We're all familiar with the words of Jesus in John 15.5. He says, I am the vine. Jesus Christ says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. His promise reminds us that if we stay close to him, he will infuse our leadership with supernatural power, with creativity, with courage, and whatever else it takes for us to bear much fruit. Leadership apart from Christ, leadership that is not connected to the vine, is bad leadership. Call it mentoring, call it influence, call it discipling, call it reaching out, but for the sake of clarity, we're going to call it leadership. Leadership at Grace Church is this. Okay, leadership at Grace Church, if, if we need to have a shared definition of what we mean by leadership, it's this. Leadership at Grace Church is serving and equipping people to realize their spiritual potential. It's molding, shaping, and developing godly character in the lives of those people and continually pointing them to the only one who can transform the heart, Jesus Christ. When I say leadership, that's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about. You know, even with all that said, as a church, we have to realize that we're all different. We're all unique. We're all gifted in different ways. We all have different likes and dislikes. And we all come from different backgrounds. And some from even different religions and walks of faith. You know, some are, some are better than others relationally. I mean, there's some that can walk into a room and it's nothing for them to just start talking, to start conversations, to start connecting. There's others of us that we walk into a room and, and we would much rather hide in the corner or not be in the room altogether. Some of us have been gifted with knowledge. And those people, they use their intellect in incredible ways to bless people. Others, man, they love serving. They're always doing good works. I mean, they feel closest to God when they're serving, when they're doing the work of God. Others are most fulfilled and content when they're just studying their Bible. I mean, they love to be in God's Word for these folks, just being alone with God is enough. Like That's what they crave. That's what they hunger for. They are very reflective. They have great capacity for prayer and private worship. Still other people are most fulfilled when they're going 100 miles an hour in life. They love a challenge. They seem to be living at the edge of their potential all the time. They're, they're, they're just going 
going and going. They feel most fulfilled at the edge. The point I'm trying to make is this. God made all of us different. He made all of us unique, and it's a good thing. It's good. The diversity of our giftings is our strength. That's what makes the church so unique, so incredible. And why is this? Because it provides us opportunities to grow and to learn from one another, to be challenged by one another. But here's the deeper point that I want to make this morning. If being a leader is helping others to realize their spiritual potential, you know, if being a leader is shaping and developing godly character, if being a leader means that we are continually pointing people to Jesus Christ, the only one who can transform the human heart, then we should all be leaders. Because leadership is influence. And you should leverage your influence right where you are. Whether you like it or not, you are influencing people. You are leading people. Mom, you're a leader. You're a very important leader. Because you are influencing your children. You're raising up the next generation of Christ followers. Employee, you're a leader. Because you're influencing your co-workers. You're either influencing them for good or for bad. Teachers, you already know that you're leaders. Because you're influencing, once again, the next generation of leaders. The point is this, lead right where you're at. It's not just the top dog, it's not just the CEO, it's not just the lead pastor that are leaders. We're all leaders. We're all influencing in our different different spheres, our different walks of life. And you know what? It's really more go lead rather than come lead. Remember, 39 out of the 40 miracles that were done in the book of Acts were done outside of the church. Yes, we need leaders in the church, but I believe the majority of leaders should be leading outside of these walls, influencing in their families, in their workplaces, gosh, in, in government, whatever else, whatever God is leading you towards, you need to be leading outside of these walls. Lastly, if we truly desire to be a church that sends its best leaders to lead outside of the church, great courage is going to be needed. It's kind of scary, to be honest with you. Our goal, our desire is to raise up some amazing leaders and then to try to get them to leave Grace Church. It's not a good business plan, is it? It's God's plan, though. He says, hey, trust me. I'll provide you with more leaders. Raise my people up. Take care of them. Love them well. Send them out. Send them out to go and do incredible things in my name. It's going to take great courage. And I have to confess, church, I haven't been the best at this. I've been afraid sometimes. Sometimes I have a man, a, a great leader that is doing great things, and I maybe I've held too tightly. You can pray for me in that. You can pray that 
as your pastor that I trust God and I let go. I'm not a control freak. Gosh, this is the way the church needs to function. We need people to come in who are broken. doesn't matter what their past is. And they receive help and hope and encouragement. They get healthy spiritually. Gosh, they grow up in their faith. And then they're sent out. They go out of this place to bless others, to lead others to Jesus Christ. Great courage is needed in sending out the best people. But let me encourage us with this thought. God has already led by example. I love this. God is not asking us to do something He hasn't already done. God sent His best. Check this out. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. He gave. He sent. That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. 1 John 4.9 God already set the example. Not only did God lead the way by sending His best, but the apostles followed suit. The Apostle Paul sent Timothy, a young man that he referred to as a son in the faith. He sent Timothy out. Listen to some of the counsel Paul gave Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9-15. through 15. This is a trustworthy saying. Remember, Paul is saying this to Timothy. And everything should ex- or everyone should accept it. Verse 10. Timothy. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist that everyone learn them. Don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. Be an example to all believers in what you say and the way you live and your love, your faith and your purity. Verse 13. Until I get there, focus on reading the Scriptures to the church encouraging the believers and teaching them. Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received. Leadership. Don't neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. Verse 15. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your tasks so that everyone will see your progress. Check out 2 Timothy 1, verses 3-7. through Timothy... This is Paul talking to Timothy again. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. Sending people out is hard. It's not easy. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that the same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Gift of leadership. Influence. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-discipline. Church is not an audience to be entertained. It's an army 
to be empowered. Sending people out can be very costly. It can be very painful. But the harvest is worth it. It's worth it, church. I'm going to end the sermon this morning by reading Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15. It says, But how can they call on Him to save them unless they believe in Him? And how can they believe in Him, Jesus Christ, if they have never heard about Him? And how can they hear about Him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the Scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet, the messengers who bring the good news. And we want to be an aircraft carrier. We want to be a sending church. You need to realize that every week that we gather together, you are being sent out. When you leave this morning, you are being sent out as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You are on the front lines of ministry. And our greatest desire as leaders in this church is to equip you, to encourage you, and to lead you to be fully devoted to Jesus. To be disciples who make disciples. Let me close in prayer this morning. Father God, thank you for this time that we could gather. I pray that the words that were just spoken, I pray that your spirit would use them in the hearts and minds and lives of people here this morning. I pray that people would be encouraged by it. I pray that they would be convicted convicted by the words that were spoken. I pray that they'd be inspired. I pray that they would be led to be more devoted, to be closer, to be connected to the vine, Jesus Christ. Lord, I also just wanted to take a little moment this morning to remember this day. Fifteen years ago, this country, so many people lost so much. Father, as we remember 9-11 and just the tragic things that happened on that day, Lord, I, I pray for our country. I pray for our leaders. I pray, Lord, that, God, that we would turn back to you and that we would, gosh, quit pointing the fingers to others, but we would look at our own hearts and we would first turn back to you as individuals. We would make sure we are going full steam towards you as a church. I truly believe that's what's going to help communities to get healthier. Gosh, when communities are turning back to you, that's what's going to help our country turn back to you. Lord, I, I honestly believe that it starts with us as individuals in our own hearts. Lord, help us to be fully devoted to you, Jesus. And I pray for those who lost so much on this day that you would comfort them and uh, that they would not only feel loved, but that they would be loved today. God, as we send people out today to be ministers of the gospel, I pray that you would bless their efforts. You would help them to do it with respect and kindness. That they would not be afraid to share the love of Jesus Christ with this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, you are dismissed this morning. I want to remind you, there's some great Oreo treats under the tent. All right, connect, get to meet one another. God bless you. Have a great week.